God together. Um, and my wife, Sarah, is going to make me look better. And uh, so I'm, I forgot something here. Give me. Yeah. Can I start? Yeah, go oh, ahead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's open our Bibles this morning to Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9. I'll give you a second to rustle through or um, open your iPhone <laughs> and look for it. We're going to verse 6. And I know a lot of you are going to be very familiar with this passage that I'm going to read here. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward even forever. Now we're very familiar with this passage. Most of us have heard it a number of times and a lot, especially at Christmas time. Um, But I want to give you an idea of what was happening at that time that that prophecy of Isaiah was spoken by Isaiah um, by reading some of the prophecies he spoke before, just to give you an idea of the spiritual climate of Israel at the time that that very famous popular scripture was spoken, okay? So let's go back a couple chapters to chapter 2, and we're going to read, starting at verse 6. It says, For you have forsaken your people, the house of Jacob, because they are filled with eastern ways. They are soothsayers like the Philistines, and they are pleased with the children of foreigners. Their land is also full of silver and gold, and there is no end to their treasures. Their land is also full of horses, and there is no end to their chariots. Their land is also full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made. And let's go over to chapter 3, Isaiah 3, verse 18. In that day, the Lord will take away the finery, the jingling anklets, the scarves and the crescents, the pennants and bracelets and the veils, the headdresses, the leg ornaments and the headbands, the perfume boxes, the charms and the rings, the nose jewels, the the festal apparel and the mantles, the outer garments, the purses and the mirrors, the fine linen, the turbans and the robes. And so it shall be. Instead of a sweet smell, there will be a stench. Instead of a sash, a rope. Instead of well-set hair, Baldness. Well, I like baldness. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm getting at. Prophecy fulfilled already. So, (laughs) instead of a rich robe, a girding of sackcloth, and a branding instead of beauty, your men shall fall by the sword, and your and your mighty in the war. Her gates shall lament and mourn, and she, being desolate, shall sit on the ground. Wow, what a contrast! You know, every year we you see the uh, we, we. Especially at this time, I guarantee you, you'll hear Isaiah 9 a number of times before the year ends. For unto us a child is born. And it's incredible prophecy. It's wonderful news. It's a good news. It's great. It makes us feel good. Um, uh, it makes us feel uh, loved and honored. And, and, we, and, and it brings the spirit of the season on. But you realize there's such a contrast. Is to before the good news would happen, um, um, uh, there was a problem. It wasn't so pretty before. And so um, when I look at the contrast of the two, it's good to kind of get back and see what it was for Isaiah as a prophet. Isaiah was a minister. When he started his ministry, Israel had gone through uh, a season of prosperity, about half a uh, century or more, almost 50-some years of just prosperity, relative peace in the world, and, uh, and people were just living a good life. 
you know, and they were, they were doing all the, the regular things in life, you know, every, you know, they were kind of a religious society. They, they, they knew the right words to say. They kind of kept their traditions. But yet, in the, underneath that, the fabric of their societies was collapsing. They, they, they kind of had misaligned priorities. They were kind of forgetting about God. And Isaiah was a great prophet, and he ministered to Israel for all these years. Um, uh, and uh, he was not very successful uh, in terms of combating so many people during his time. But this is one of the greatest prophets to ever live. He actually prophesied about Jesus Christ with a lot of accuracy. He in great detail, you know. Keep in mind, this was 700 years before Christ would be born. And he had great detail, including like how he would be born and everything like that. And we read it sometimes from Isaiah. And many people might even think it's a New Testament. This is 700 years before Christ. And he was thinking in the time, he's like, I know life is good right now. People are are, kind of getting a little lax on the things of God. But he could tell the farther they went from God, that things were going to change and things were not going to remain the same as they were before. It sounds a little bit familiar to the time we're living in today, does it not? We have, uh, in many ways, things have never been better than they are right now. Yet in other ways, the very foundation of our way of life is being shaken. We have a lot, we enjoy a lot of peace and prosperity in our lives today. But we're also confronted with massive insecurity and a fragile economy. Turn on the news. (laughs) We have a sense of godliness in a culture that was built on a Christian foundation. But our way of life, our priorities, our entertainment, they're all very shallow and far from the things of God, right? As a culture. Our culture. Mm -hmm. It's like a sense of disaster is about to happen. And and that's what Isaiah was really sensing when he was prophesying. It It was like... The judgment of God is coming. That's what he was saying. And I want you to understand something about the judgment of God. God is not looking to do us harm. But when we push God away and we push God away and we push God away as a culture, as a, as a a nation even, um, eventually he starts taking his hands off. He doesn't force himself on us. And so what Isaiah was saying is, hey, Israelites, you're pushing God away and it's not looking good for you. And the reason I know that it is, very similar now is because I see that even people that are non-believers are sensing that something will happen badly. I watch the news. I, I, I don't usually have time to watch the news, but we were just on vacation with my parents and they're a little more, um, they have a little more time in their lives right now than we do. <laughs> so we got to see the news a little more. And let me tell you that non-believers, people that do not know the Lord are sensing it as well. It's not just Christians. And so, but that's what Isaiah was seeing. He's seeing you're pushing God away and you will, you will feel that. That will come back to bite you. And it's very similar today in our culture right now, um, of what, of the people he was prophesying to at that time. Yeah. And you know, um, <clears throat> Isaiah talks about, in fact, he talks about sin. He talks about Turning away from, in fact, Isaiah uses all the words in the Bible concerning sin. He uses almost all of them in his prophecy. So he's trying to get people's attention. But anyway, um, Isaiah, he, he, the other part is, he talks about God's judgment a lot. But God's judgment, it's something that we need to understand many times. Like she said, Sarah said earlier, is that it's not, God is not wanting to inflict harm on us. In fact, he is a good God. The Bible says God is good 
He is good all the time. He wants relationship with us. He wants to redeem us. He wants to restore us. But he also talks about redemption and restoration more than anybody else that speaks about that in the Bible. So God wants this relationship with us. He doesn't want to go away. It is not his will that he backs off. It is not at all. Hear me right. It is not his will that he takes his hand from us. It's not his will that we walk alone without him. It's not his will that we fall into the trap of judgment. It is not his will at all. He would not want that for us. Like a good parent would not want a child to fall into a ditch when they can see very well. You're going to fall down. If you keep doing that, you try to get their attention. You know, are you, are you with me? So God is wanting to restore. He's wanting to heal. He's wanting to bring us to himself. And so the message comes, and it's a message of Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. So what I love is that amidst that, amidst that, hard message that Isaiah was giving. And let let me tell you, you can start in Isaiah 1 and read up to 9, and you see a lot of hard stuff. But amidst, in the middle of that, he brings the message of hope. And that's what I love about the Bible, actually. It is a message of hope. Like he said, that the Lord doesn't want judgment to come upon us, and he has an answer for us. And so 700 years before Jesus, Isaiah very accurately told us exactly who was coming. He described him. Let me read it again. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What those words must have meant to the Israelites at that time. You know, I think it is so cool. I I love the song that we just sang about in Jesus' name. And thank you, Pastor Chris, for making us sing it again. Because the name of the Lord is powerful. The Bible says that there is no name given unto us. When we pray, when he gives us his name, to use his name, he's giving us an identity. That his name, we are part of his family. That we can pull the name. You know, uh, this is my last name. I belong to. And he says we can use his name. And here sometimes we could take it for granted. You know, everybody knows Jesus. We live in a culture where it's a Christian society, relatively speaking. Most people identify as Christians. And so Jesus gets, the name gets used all the time. And we forget how much power and how much wealth is indebted in the name that we have. In the, in, in the power of God is behind the name of Jesus. So Isaiah goes on and says, hey, let me tell you what that name is. His name shall be called Wonderful. Wonderful. He is a good God. He is so good to us. He loves us all the time. You know, it doesn't matter how far we go. His love is forever. People have, un- have conditional love, but God's love is unconditional. People that have once loved each other, they cannot get their hands off of each other. And they, you come see him later. They're the worst enemies. Why does that happen? Our love is not forever. But his is everlasting. His is forever. His is unending. He's a wonderful God. He's a mighty God. Not only is he wonderful, he is more than able to do what he says he will do. God will back his word. The Bible says that he watches over his word to perform it. So if God's given you a word, God can perform. He can back up what he says. I can give you a promise today, but I cannot back up any promise. But God can back up every promise that he ever gave. He's a mighty God. He's the everlasting father. We are his. We can get security in knowing that we are part of the family of God. He's the prince of peace. 
and, uh, and, and uh, it gives us peace. We don't have to worry about life. You know, when you think about these things clearly, you realize that it's all the things that people look for in life. They look for love. They look for love. They look for wisdom. When he is a counselor, they look for power, security, peace of mind, things that we want anyway. Difference is sometimes we search for these things apart from God, and then we end up broken instead of being, being whole. We end up so, way short of what we already have and what's been promised to us, and, uh, and sometimes we end up, um, we end up just uh, um, uh, settling for much less of what God already has in store for us. So all these things God wants for us. He wants for our lives, and we want them for our lives, but we need to find them in Christ. We need to find that they are only complete in him. Amen. The thing about the, um, the Israelites at that time when Isaiah was prophesying is he was prophesying a gift that was to come 700 years later. But we have the gift today. Come on now. We have the gift. And we need to take advantage of the gift that we have, Jesus, in our lives. When we're walking in fear, we're not walking with the Prince of Peace. Jesus brings us peace that passes all understanding. Oftentimes, we even fear proactively. Is anybody guilty of this? <laughs> I'm talking about fearing things, worrying about things that have not even happened in our lives. May never happen, probably will never happen. But yet, we spend time in anxiousness and worry, fear about these things. Like, what if I can't pay my bills? Can you pay this bill today? Yes. But what if I can't pay my bills? Tomorrow. Or what if something happens to one of my children? I've been guilty of that. What if my boss stops liking me? We can imagine. We have good imaginations. We can really imagine a lot of fear and worry of things that haven't even happened. All sorts of scenarios that bring fear and chaos into our lives. But Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Come on now. He, ca- he came to the world to give us peace. Once we've experienced his peace, we know peace like we've never known it before. Yet, how quickly we can forget and we let worry take over. Don't do that. Grab a hold of the gift that you have with you all the time. Jesus, he's the Prince of Peace. We need to take advantage of the gifts that Jesus is to us. He's our counselor. He's the best counselor ever. Come How on. often, though, do we forget to ask him? We will call our mama and tell her what's going on, or we'll call our best friend or our dad or whoever. I'll open up to a we'll, stranger down the street about yes, how you're feeling. Exactly. <laughs> or we'll talk to Siri. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I Googled, what's the most asked question on Google? I Googled, what's the most asked question on Google? And Google told me that the most asked question in 2014 is, what is love? Whoa, hello. Our top Google search for 2014, what is love? Proof that we seek our counsel from our computers and our phones, but yet we have the gift. We have the greatest counselor and we're all guilty. I know I'm guilty. Let me speak for myself. I know I'm guilty of I'm not. Having, I'm so holy. Yeah. <laughs> having the Lord yeah. give me such wisdom in a situation where I had no idea, yet still forgetting to go to him first. That's right. In the next situation, how quickly we forget. But I just want to take a moment to remind you that you have the gift. If you're in a situation that you don't know your way out of, take a moment and ask the Lord. I do it with some silly little things that might seem silly to you but are big to me. When I'm home with my kids and I've got a problem, maybe even an attitude, whatever I'm yelling at him or whatever I'm doing is not working, sending him to his room, whatever, it's not working. I'm like, Jesus, help me. The other day I had a situation with a child and I did not know what to do. I homeschool. 
he was not doing well in school. He just was not participating at all. And when you're homeschooling, like if they don't participate, man, they can slide through the cracks real quick. Okay. I guess that probably happens in a classroom too. But, um, I was just like, Jesus, help me. Finally, I, I had tried everything and it wasn't working. And the Lord told me something I never would have thought of before. He told me to let him quit, actually kick him out. So I kicked him out of homeschool. I, I checked the with, principal. I checked with Solo first. I'm like, okay, I'm kicking you, you out. Expelled. You're done. You're done. And um, I let it go on. I let it go on for two weeks. We homeschool year-round, so don't worry. They're not behind or anything. And I'll tell you, this child, it was such a gift from God, that piece of wisdom that I never would have come up with by myself. And I was, I was racking my brain. Let me tell you, reading the books, searching online for the answer. And the Lord showed me, and I'll tell you, that kid was so, he was starting to worry about his future. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we were talking about how, well, we need to look at jobs for you, like dishwashing and things, because you'll probably be doing that till you're 65. (laughs) We were having all kinds of fun conversations. (laughs) And he was seriously worried. And I'll tell you, he started school back, and he's like a brand new kid. But that's the kind of wisdom that the Lord can give you that you'll never think of yourself. We have that in Jesus, our counselor, at all times. That's my example in my little life. But you guys have that available to you. We all have that available to us. And he is love. All these things that that are are in the scripture, I encourage you to read them, post them on your mirror, on your wall, whatever, and remind yourself. He is so wonderful. He's mighty. He can heal us. He can set us free. He can heal your marriage that seems irreparable. He can save your child that seems unsavable. Amen. He can do all of that. He is all things. He's all things we need. And we need to take advantage of the gift that came to earth as a baby to change our lives and change our eternity. The Israelites, they didn't get to see it at that time. We have it. Amen. We have it. Amen. How awesome is that? You know, um, uh, the thing is, uh, uh, we talked a few weeks ago about the seed principle. Remember that? And whatever you give comes back to you. You know, how many of you ever prayed the prayer? Oh, Lord, I want more of you, Jesus, in my life. I want less of me. I want me out of here. I just want more of Jesus. How many want more of Jesus in their lives? Come on, how many want more of Jesus? Man, I'm in the wrong church. How many want more of Jesus? You see, that principle works. And it's very scriptural. And I can substantiate it with many verses. But I'm just going to give one. When we give out Jesus, it's part of our growth in the body. When we give of the Lord, we get more from the Lord. When we are sharing the gospel, we get more out of the gospel. For it is more blessed to give than it is to give, to receive. Let me give you an example. You go out and so out of obedience you share with somebody. Maybe you, you talk to someone that's looking for the Lord. And, uh, and, and just you, you may be nervous, don't know what to do. And then you pray for the individual. And then God answers their prayer. And then they maybe respond to Christ to your surprise. How many would be encouraged with that situation? How many would make, would that would make him kind of want to do more? And it's, this principle works because when you're encouraged by that, it builds your faith. Because you grow from faith to faith, from uh, step to step. And so one of the things that we miss a lot in our time, we don't share about Jesus enough. Because sometimes we forget how good he is to us. We forget how. And so when we share the gospel, oftentimes we share apologetically. Oh, yeah. You're already on the defensive when you started. And it shows. 
I used to work in sales for a long time. And you can see a salesperson that's not convinced with their product and you will not buy their product. Because think, man, would you buy this? Uh, would you say, oh, well, you know. Uh, uh. But you can get a guy that says, man, this is what I use. You might, you're like, man, I want that. We have the greatest news that the world could ever have. We have the answer to all the problems of the world. Everything, it's in Jesus. He is a fulfillment of the prophecy that was given here. He is the Prince of Peace, the God, the mighty God. He lives not with us, but He lives in the inside of us if you are saved. Every answer. You're not the answer. He is the answer. And we need to quit being apologetic in sharing the gospel. Because it's not about winning an argument. Because that's where sometimes we get into problems. Because we think, well, they'll ask me a hard question and I'm not going to be able to, to answer that. It's not about that at all. It's about the power of God. It's about the anointing of God. It's about the grace of God. It's like the blind man did not know one thing about an argument to make theologically, but he knew that God had touched him and says, you all can argue all you want, but I know what God did in my life. I was blind, but now I see. You argue all you want. Because God does respond to faith. God does respond to an attitude of faith. If you're already doubtful from the beginning, it's no wonder many people don't respond. We need to be positive when we share the gospel. We need to, to pray for people all the time and give Jesus. Let me say, one of the things that uh, um, uh, you see in the Bible, if you study the gospels, uh, uh, accounts of Jesus, he did many miracles that are, that, are, that, are, that, are, that are listed in the Bible. And they're phenomenal. You know, you can read any number of miracles. He, he turns water into wine. He multiplies bread, uh, feeds 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. You know, all these things that we read about, healing lepers, doing all sorts of things. And you know, the, the, by and large, the majority of the miracles that Jesus did were not done in the temple or in the synagogues. They were done in the streets. Amen. They were done in the marketplaces, in people's homes and all those things. Because there is an anointing that God releases when we go and share the gospel. It is not so much in the church. It's out there. There are two... Okay. I'm just tempted to go more into more teaching. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to just give you this. My was like, yeah, I know. We've got a lot of time. We're doing good. But... <laughs> you see, when we are in the church, miracles happen in the body of Christ when we gather. Okay? Miracles also do happen on the street, but there, a, it takes a different kind of faith out there than it does in here. Yeah. You see, the Bible says, when two or three shall agree concerning anything, that I will do it. Okay? And that means that our faith has to be in agreement. So Sarah and I are deciding we're going to pray for, who, who needs prayer right now? All right, we're going to pray for Sue. Uh, God, we just want Sue to be blessed so much in her life. And maybe, uh, and so I'm praying, uh, well, maybe she's praying because she has more faith. So she's saying, you know, God says the windows of heaven are going to be opened up for Sue. It's going to be incredible. I see just a, a impossible doors being opened up for her. And she's got the faith. And I'm thinking, wow, Lord, you know, Sue, boy, Lord, you know. <laughs> I, I, so, so I'm saying, amen. She's got faith. I'm doubting already. And we're not in agreement. And then nothing happens. And we think, oh, shoot, next time we want to pray a situation like this situation. I'm already hesitant in how I pray. And so I stop praying the safe prayers. <laughs> Instead of just praying the word of faith, praying what God is saying. 
repeating God's promises and saying, God, you are the one that said that you would do this. Quoting the verse, speaking the word of God, and let God do the results. You're not God. Yours is just a prayer, prayer of faith, and God, it's his job to do the answering. Okay? So then you go, you go to the, to the marketplace. You go outside of the four walls of the congregation. It's different. Because it doesn't take that much kind of faith out there. It takes very little faith. In fact, there's a verse that says, if you have faith as little as a master's seed, you can speak to this mountain and you shall say to it, be thou moved and be thou cast into the midst of the sea. That is speaking of the anointing of the Lord. You just have to believe that you are anointed. Okay, what am I try- here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. That anointing is not your power. That anointing is not your doing. That anointing depends only on him and my obedience. His word, my obedience. And as little faith of believing that you are anointed. That's why I, I, I challenge you, even this Christmas, you start praying for people that are not saved. Don't invite them to church. Well, you can. Let them come to church. That's a good thing. But just pray. When you hear people's needs, someone opens up to you. And they say, well, I'm struggling with this. And you ask them, hey, can I pray for you? 99% of the time, they'll say yes. And you pray with them right there. Don't be like, hey, you're my thoughts and my prayers are with you. You know, do the right thing. The religious thing say, you know, and you don't even pray. You get distracted and all that. Why don't you just pray right there? You have to pray. You don't have to be us. I don't know what. Just pray a simple prayer of faith and believe God for that individual. More miracles will happen through your hands when you pray for people out there because God wants to win their souls. God wants to heal them. It is in God's interest that they get faith. And that takes the anointing of the Spirit of God, not so much your faith. It's just believing that you're anointed. Jesus, Isaiah actually prophesies this of Jesus, and Jesus comes in and when he launches his ministry, repeats this. He says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor again, and then all these different blessings that are going to be done by that anointing, it's only as you're going to give the good news. Are you talking to me? To heal the brokenhearted, to restore walls that were broken, to, to bring, to, to, so this is, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That comes when we are proclaiming the good news. So when you share, when you have Jesus in you, you need to share Jesus with others. And the way we share Jesus with others is just praying for people and blessing people. And I tell you, when you, when they come back, they don't understand any theology. They don't know one thing in the Bible, but they know when you prayed, something happened and they were healed or a door opened, a job opportunity opened that they didn't think happened. A promotion came up their way and they know, they will associate. God has a way of making them know that this wouldn't have happened apart from yeah. the prayer. Yeah. And that person doesn't need any preaching. They might not even know anything about the Bible, but they know that God answers prayer. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. We need to give Jesus. Yeah. And what gift we have is that we have him in us and pray for people. Guess what happens in return? When you see someone healed that you prayed for, you are thinking, oh, boy, I'm not a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. No, I'm just somebody. <laughs> And you pray for someone and you see a miracle happen. Guess what's going to happen to your faith? You're going to be more encouraged. And so next time when you come back to pray for Sue, (laughs) you'll be like, I know, because you've seen God answer. Now you're more confident about your prayers. Amen? Amen. So when we give, it comes back to us 
Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. The more you give Jesus, the more Jesus of will come to you. The more you give of Jesus, the more of Jesus you will have. I want less of solo and more of Jesus in my life. Amen. So we're talking this Christmas about taking advantage of the gift that is Jesus to us and giving Jesus to others, Amen. giving them Jesus. So I asked, I asked Solo to give me an awesome gift. I'm like, <laughs> I need a really amazing gift, Solo, that, that I could put up on the stage. Like a Ferrari or something. Yeah. yeah. He said, I, a Ferrari. I said, no. <laughs> a gift, something that um, can be bought <laughs> without credit. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so... I um I had him find a big, TV. just awesome TV. Right. Isn't it cool? The wow. bowl was supposed to be there. That's a flop. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm kind of a I'm kind of a TV person. I think I didn't used to think I was, but um, one Christmas, um, several years ago, have, if you've been married for a while, you probably had one of these conversations in your life with your husband. Like, oh, the money is not there. Let's just get some for the kids and not get each other anything. <laughs> have you been married for a long time? I'm sure you probably have been around that conversation a few years. And so there was one Christmas that we had that conversation, and we were familiar with it. We'd had it a few times before <laughs> other Christmases, and it worked just fine. And um, we we had done Christmas. I remember we were at my parents' house, and we did Christmas, and the kids were so happy. It's so easy to make little kids happy, especially. I don't know. We're getting the teen years might get a little harder, <laughs> but we, the kids were very happy and we had had our discussion. We were good with it. We we're not getting each other gifts. We didn't have the money for it. We were, um, just fine for the kids. And all of a sudden Solo's like, Oh, there's one more gift. And I'm like, no, there's no more gifts. I know. I know. I'm the one that bought the gifts. I wrote your name on them, but I bought them. There's no more gifts. And he's like, well, yes, there's one more. And he, I was, um, I was very pregnant at the time. I have three January, (laughs) I have three January birthdays and one February. I actually don't remember which baby it was, but often I am fat and miserable at Christmas time. And this was one of those times I was very fat and very miserable. And he pulled out a flat screen, a flat panel TV for me. I opened it and I'm like, I cried. It was the only time I have ever cried over a gift. So obviously I'm a TV person. Now it wasn't nearly this big. It was a small percentage of this awesome TV right here. And I, uh, he had gotten it for me to put on my bedroom wall so that I could lay my fat self down at in the evening when the children were in bed in my own bed and watch TV. And I was so happy. I cried. <laughs> my, I remember my mom was laughing at me like, you're crying over a TV. I'm like, that's so awesome. <laughs> it was so wonderful. Like and I wasn't even mad at him for spending money. So I guess when I thought about a big, cool gift, I went to TV right away. I don't have much time to watch TV these days, but I do. I think I probably would if I had more time. But anyway, I wanted to show you this TV, this really cool, isn't it amazing gift. And I wanted to you to imagine with me that Best Buy was giving you a free TV like this. Oh yeah, I'll take that free TV. Yeah. <laughs> Not only are they giving you a free TV, but they're giving you a lifetime warranty for that TV. They'll replace it anytime it goes bad. As long as you come in the store and give away these TVs often <laughs> to people for free, you have to keep giving them away. That would be a really cool deal, right? You probably wouldn't have 
trouble giving this really cool, amazing TV away for free to people all the time, right? It's very much like Jesus in our lives. Now, people go to actually, this this is a good example because people actually go to TV for their counsel sometimes and their peace. It's a very momentary fix. It doesn't last long. Entertainment, though, uh, we seek um, out entertainment to fill those voids in our life all the time. But Jesus actually is a way, way, way better gift that's that gives us peace at last and all those things so much better than the TV. Mm -hmm. But imagine that you had the TV for free and you got to give it away all the time. You have to just keep giving it away, giving TVs away. And then you get a lifetime warranty. You just keep get, you have, you always have a nice fresh TV whenever you need one. That would be really great, right? So that's kind of what it's like, how, how Jesus, uh, we're supposed to give Jesus away. And so, so often we forget that we, have a the most amazing gift to yeah. give away Amen. and we don't so much better than this and we yet we don't do it but now i want you to follow me a little farther we do our job for best buy when we're giving our tv away in our imaginary situation we do our job when we give the tv away is it our job to make sure that they plug it in that they get a cable subscription or an Apple TV to internet connection or bunny ears and make it work? No. Our job is to give the TV away. And I think oftentimes we place our success, so to speak, on whether or not that gift is used. But our job is to give the gift. And I think a lot of times we don't give the gift because maybe we've seen it not be used. But let me remind you that our job is to give this awesome, amazing gift. It's not about whether they use it or not. That's up to God. Actually, the the Bible says we want them to use it, obviously. But the Bible says that some water, some plant, some water... But it's God who brings the harvest. God, it's God who saves. Amen. That is his part. That's his part. So we share Jesus, like he said, by praying for people. When we're in the word all the time, when we're reading the word, sometimes the Lord will give you a word for someone that you're going to see later that day and you didn't even know it. And you're, you're, they're speaking to you and you're like, I read something this morning and I know exactly what, you know, this is what the Lord says about it. It will be such a blessing to them. That's why it's important for us to be in the word. To step out, to be bold and pray for somebody right there. That's giving them the gift of Jesus. Amen. That's giving them the gift of Jesus, and that is our part. That's what I want you to understand. It's giving them. It's not whether they use it or not. Our part, that's up to God. That's up to Jesus, but our part is giving the gift. That's right. That's right. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine. I might have said this a few weeks ago. Um, uh, that's a um, missionary in Ghana right now, and he's planning a couple churches there, Pastor Frank. And he's uh, in an, a part of Ghana where there are a lot of Muslims. And the Lord's been using him a lot in touching a lot of Muslims for the, for the Lord. And, he's, uh, and I, was, I was very curious because I, I said this story before, but I'm going to say it again for those who didn't hear it. Um, uh, is, I was like, you know, I, I, how, how are you reaching them? What, what, how are they responding? Because he's getting a lot of Muslims to respond to him. And, uh, and he's not inviting them to church. Because the other Muslims that see him go to a church, he might be cause a lot of trouble. At least not yet. But he says, I just pray for them. He says, so he's telling me about this young man that uh, was uh, concerned about his job. 
And I think his job was going to end. He was just, I don't remember the details, but it was a job situation that he was concerned about. He says, can I pray for you? And he says, oh, sure. And he prayed for the young man, and God answered the prayer. And the guy knew that it was the result of that prayer that his job situation that he was concerned about came to, to peace, you know. And I tell you, he would come into small group meetings, and they call them like family fellowship or something, so they don't put a, a Christian label, big one on it, so that they can, but they'll come to the house, they'll come and pray. And you know, he says, I'd have, when he'd have a, a Muslim give him a lot of money to say, hey, hey, pastor, this is for the work you're doing. Give him an offering. It's not even, and he still calls himself a Muslim. Now, what am I saying is this. God wants to touch the heart of everyone. And we are his witnesses. And oftentimes, he's not even going in to convince. And I think that's what keeps us uh, from sharing is because we always think inadequate. Maybe we don't know this book very well enough. And someone might throw in a question that might throw you off and thinking, man, I don't know how to answer that. But what about we just pray for people? How about we just bless people? No hook, no, not, not a love with a hook, no strings attached, just being concerned over them and praying for their needs, praying for their healing. Not just like Facebook message, I'll pray for you. No, pray for them. And expect God to do something, because God wants to. And when someone has a miracle, you can never convince the person otherwise. They will learn the Bible. They will learn all these things. They will learn how, what, what's important. But let them find Jesus first. You see, uh, the, uh, if you look at the book of Acts, where it's the account of the, of the early church, they did not have the, the Old Testament. They were leaving the New Testament. They did not have the New Testament, rather, excuse me. They, they were leaving the New Testament. Paul, in chapter 9 of Acts, Saul of Tarsus, he comes in ready to persecute every believer. He wants to destroy them. By the time you get to chapter 22, he is actually preaching the gospel. Mm-hmm. He had not learned that much about the Lord. But he started sharing. Okay. In this season of Christmas, it's a season of giving. People are going to give. People are going to... Um, um, that, that, that spirit is already there. Mm-hmm. And it's because, first, a lot was given to us that is undeserved. Mm-hmm. By the one, the Lord Jesus Christ. And many people are in a giving spirit, but they don't even realize why we are in a giving spirit. But the best thing we could possibly ever give people, I want to encourage you, be someone's angel like we had in the song, but the best uh, angel you can be is the angel that brings new life to somebody, that brings salvation to somebody. We could give Jesus that we have. Let's win people to Christ this season. Let's pray for people. Let's see Jesus lifted in Lincoln, Nebraska. Let's see our neighborhood change. Let's see our city change by people coming to Christ one person Amen. at a time. You'll be faithful in praying for people. you believe God for people. And you'll see God answering prayers. And they will know. They know that God is answering. You know, the thing we need to be, though, we need to be intentional about it. Mm-hmm. We're intentional about a lot of things. You know, we list all, well, well, the mailman. Uh, the, we're intentional about how we give our uh, natural gifts. Uh, uh, what is the kids going to oh, They're not going to like this. And we are very detailed when it comes to giving out the gifts away. We need to be intentional about giving the gift of the gospel. We need to be intentional about going, about sharing the word of God. This is the hope. This is the reason for the season. This is why we celebrate. We need to be intentional about sharing the message of the cross. You have one more to add? All right, let's pray. (laughs) All right, did you receive the word of God? Amen.
I want to invite you to stand with me and we're going to pray. How many are going to give more Jesus this season? How many are more determined now to, to share the gospel this season? I tell you, the atmosphere is right. People are ready and we need to be, to be there, to be his light uh, in, in the darkness. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the wonderful gift of the cross. Thank you that, for the wonderful gift, O oh God, of salvation. That we, sinners, undeserving, Lord, that we will be called the sons of God, the daughters of God, that our sins will be forgiven, that you will throw our sins into the, into the sea of forgetfulness. Father, we are so grateful that we know your son, Jesus Christ, that we can stand here, not as perfect people, but those who have been perfected by the grace of God, those who have been made whole by the grace of God. And we are so thankful. Help us not to take anything for granted, our salvation, our forgiveness, our healing. We believe in you. We trust in you, God. And help us, Lord, to walk with you in this manner, God, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. I pray right now, Lord, for those that have walked in fear, those that have walked in, uh, feel a sense of inadequacy. I just pray right now that you will erase and break every yoke of the enemy in the name of Jesus and just release a boldness in us, O oh God, to share this wonderful gift with the world in a time where the world celebrating even without knowing God. We just ask in the name of Jesus that you will make us your shining lights in our city. We want to see Lincoln, Nebraska be called the city of our God in the name of Jesus. We thank you. We praise you for it. I'm going to continue to pray. I want to ask every head bowed. Continue to pray. Pastor, I want to pray for right now. You've heard the message. We're encouraging you to give Jesus. But you cannot give what you do not have. You may be here and you, you know Jesus. Maybe you know about Jesus. But you don't have him in your life. You don't have him in your heart. You're not living for him. This is the opportunity for you to have him so that you can give him. Jesus wants to come into your life. He wants to forgive your sins. He wants to heal you. He wants to save your soul. He wants to give you a strength today. And I want to pray a special prayer as we continue in our service for you. If you would like to give Jesus your life, you want to invite him into your life, I want you to raise your hand. Thank you, ma'am. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Just uh, Thank you, sir. You can put your hand down. Any, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Because this is so special. You cannot give what you don't have, but you need the fullness, of, you want, we want Jesus in your life. It'll be just empty words. But when he comes into your life, he will change you. He will transform you. He will heal you. Anybody else? I'm giving you one moment. I'm going to pray. Just tell me. I have my eyes open. Just indicate by your hands. If I say, I want Jesus in my life. Maybe I've lived for him before. And right now, I'm not walking with him. I have done it before. And now I'm far from God. I want to commit my life to Jesus. One more call. I'm going to pray. Thank you, Lord. Okay. I'm going to invite the whole church. And with those that raise their hands, just pray with me. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today just as I am. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. And I ask you to come into my life. I thank you for coming into our world, dying on the cross for our sins. Today I ask, that you will come into my life, my heart, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I commit my life to you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. God bless.